Hello, beautiful people. Thank you so much, as always, for clicking on this podcast and this particular episode of Joe Blogs About Films. It's the final episode of 2022. It's one of my favourite times of the year, really, when it comes to the end of it, because everyone's giving out just their endless list, their favourite films, their favourite albums, their favourite TV series of the year. And we are going to do no different on this podcast i love a good list who doesn't love a good list and i would also love to know your particular favorite films of the year top five top ten even if it's just a top one do let me know i'll probably post obviously as and promote this episode comment on that and let me know your favorite films and this is it it's it's like it's top 10 films of 2022 but it's essentially my top favorite films of 2022 it is 10 of course but it's of course open to interpretation i'm not saying that this is gospel at all and i'm not saying that i've seen every single film of the year that will be uh yeah, that would be a challenge, maybe. But still, this is it. I say. It's just my favourite films of the year. I would love to know say what yours are, I say, and let me know your thoughts on this list. Um, of course, do so on the socials. You can do that by jumping onto Facebook and searching Joe Blogs About Films, giving a like and a follow on there. Jump onto Instagram as well and search Joe Blogs About Films, because there should be an Instagram page now. Uh, there was an update on my Steelbook page. I've just converted it, basically. So it's now Joe Blogs About Films. Search that, give us a follow on there. That, too, would be absolutely grand, Whatever it is that you're listening to, whether it's Google, Apple, Spotify, however you have done throughout the year, thank you. It is honestly super, super appreciated. If you could also leave us a review, five stars, whatever it is, how many stars you want to give us, I don't mind. Preferably five. That too would be absolutely, absolutely lovely. So here we go then, 2022. It's been it's been a pretty good year for cinema, really. I've been really surprised, uh, both good and bad, with some of the films that have been released in 2022 there's there were some films that maybe didn't quite meet the expectations i had for them such as like scream for example which came out earlier this year but overall i've, I've been pretty impressed with the with the films i did catch and of course i didn't catch every single film of the year um there's plenty that i'm still uh, still way behind on catching on you know what i mean that i've seen reviews coming up as in particular like the whale for example i've still not caught that so like obviously i have to take that into consideration i haven't seen every single film that's come out these are the films obviously I have caught, would you believe? Um, but no, there, there was a bit of a slog maybe towards the summertime where I thought some films, just the, the trips to the cinema were equally disappointing. Um, but there's been some absolute giants within the year that we're obviously going to go over. And I will, of course, give honourable mentions to the ones that didn't quite make the cut. I went through my uh, podcast to go through some of the films I'd gone over just to get like a 10, a list of 10. And there was some I was like, oh, could they make it? Could they not? So I, I want to make sure I do give, give those a mention as well. I also kind of gave a rule that I would only have one superhero film within this list. So have a guess if you want as to which one that could be. So yeah, all, all of that aside though, I'd say I've, I very much really have enjoyed 2022 going to the cinema. Like just, just literally it's the norm again, you know, of going to the cinema The like the delays of films coming out just isn't a thing again uh, anymore. So that's also great, but I've really been impressed with, uh, with 2022 overall. So we're going to jump straight into the top 10 right now. Coming in at number 10, if you'd have told me that a Nick Cage film was going to be in the top 10 list of mine, maybe a few years back, I'd have been like, really, what's happened? But it turns out that is the case, because I'm putting at number 10, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, which obviously sees, you know, this fantastic action-packed comedy, Nicolas Cage playing Nicolas Cage, who's just in a bit of a lull, like, absolutely not, his career's going nowhere, can't get jobs whatsoever, takes on the opportunity to go and be at someone's, a uh, superfan's birthday party, that superfan being Pedro Pascal, who is absolutely so lovely, what a lovely character uh, Javi is, in this film and both of those together nick cage obviously the 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 character representation i should say of nick cage and Javi, just ooze bromance and just fantastic performance on screen between the two of them i loved it i love the chemistry between the two i love the dynamic i love the laughs like this film at the cinema 
was honestly one of the best experiences I've had this year. Probably is the best experience in terms of everyone there just having an absolute fantastic time. The constant nods to other Nick Cage films as well. I mean, granted, I'm not his biggest fan, but I've seen a good chunk of his work. You know what I mean? So if 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 I don't laugh at him, I'll cry most of the time. Whereas this was just pure crying from laughter. You know what I mean? So really, really did really enjoy this film. I thought it was fantastic and definitely on my top 10 list coming in at number 10. Nice to start there, I think. And just a quick one before we proceed, all of the films that are on this, in this list have extended reviews on the podcast. You can go back and check them out as well if you want to hear a bit more in-depth thoughts. I'm only going to give you like kind of like little pointers as to why I enjoyed the film. Uh, now, the next one I was kind of toying with which way around this was going to go, but in number eight, basically nine and, uh, number nine and number eight, they're like I couldn't decide so you can flip them whichever way but at number nine I'm going to go with everything everywhere all at once which was the multiverse film that I wanted from Doctor Strange Doctor Strange as I say I've said my podcast before I was really really underwhelmed with thought it was just just very very meh I'm being completely honest but Michelle Yeoh playing Everly Wang who obviously is able to transport through the multiverse it seems and the laughs just continue throughout this film but the action as well is really good and the family dynamic is something that I absolutely really really loved about this film you know the relationship between Michelle Yeoh and her daughter played by Stephanie Sue really really was such a driving force throughout the entire film that I loved it I loved that story I loved what we saw in the multiverse I also loved the fact that Kihoi Khan as well made another reappearance obviously the big screen it's been such a long time since we've seen him grace the big screen I should say great to have him involved as well I felt this film was really really excellent Jamie Lee Curtis as well um, with some wonderful performances in different roles and such within the multiverse I thought all in all it was pretty good I did say on the podcast it maybe maybe was a little just a, just a little bit too long um, but I did really really dig this film I thought it was very much fun as I say as a multiverse film goes this was uh, this was absolutely brilliant so there we go number nine everything everywhere all at once number eight bullet train this is my surprise package of the year because i'm not gonna lie when i saw the trailer for this i thought it could be good but it also could be very very poor but it was an absolute blast at the, at the summer checking this out i think it was july that it dropped or whenever david leach coming back to present an absolute enthralling action packed and again one of those films with ingenious ways of killing people i, I praise that a lot i say i think violent night had a lot of those as well which isn't in this list but still that's had some great ingenious ways of, of people meeting their meeting the demise and this one as well was really good brad pitt playing the lead character ladybug fantastic lead character you know and and, and the soundtrack for this and just the use of color as well the color palette the scheme the neon that we got in there as well really really excellent uh, and just to say a bumper cast you know what i mean like if it's not brad pitt stealing the show with with this fantastic performance you've got aaron taylor johnson as tangerine and brian tyree henry as lemon those two together were honestly like i want to see more of them like i want a spin-off somehow of those two characters that's how good they were in this film all in all it was a very very much entertaining film joey king as well as prince was a kind of great like one of those characters where you're like are they the villain of the everyone everyone essentially is a villain but she, you know just liked how how she was within the film basically i thought it was all in all such a fun ride if you don't pardon the pun there but excellent stuff there bullet train in at number eight and number seven a film that pretty much like i uh, just just brought back so much love for 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 such an iconic monster or, or whatever or alien i should say but i'm talking about prey which came out in August, absolutely fantastic, directed by Dan Trachenberg, who did 10 Cloverfield Lane, again, a film I absolutely bloody love. Prey just reinvented and, and brought new life to Predator. It was something that we've been crying out for as fans, you know, the sequels that have come on the back of the other Predators, sorry, that have come like Predator 2, Predators, or, or whatever, that they've done the Predator, which was really slated. Prey just did something excellent by taking it back to focus on a, on a warrior within a Comanche nation, 
was just absolutely such a genius idea by like kind of having it as a prequel i thought was just fantastic and obviously amber mid thunder i praise her so much as the lead such a classic like up there straight away with like your likes of ripley this and that she was a badass in this film and uh, i really really was excited for prey to come out and i wasn't disappointed i'm sure many predator fans as well because like I, like i've said on my podcast when i reviewed it that sequence of predator in the burnt down forest you know where we just get to see silhouettes of him and even him jumping from tree to trees just really good i love the design for the predator as well it's really like kind of not as many gizmo and gadgets the design was really stripped back and just can see how it would utilize other everything that it can do and working its way up the food chain obviously by with its killings and you know doing what it can with what it's got basically i really did like love this film i thought it was really good and that's why i'm popping it at number seven in my list at number six a more recent release which was dropped in cinemas for a week at the end of november uh, but finally came onto Netflix just before Christmas. It is Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery, the follow-up to Knives Out, which was easily one of my favourite films of 2019. Rian Johnson, obviously, directing, coming back to write and direct the... I say sequel, it's just another entry into this fantastic world for Benoit Blanc. And as I stated on my Glass Onion podcast, I just, again, love this character. It is, it is just fantastic. Daniel Craig... Uh, whether you like his accent or not, I personally think it's great. I absolutely love what he does. Like I said, this just this charisma and and just way that he performs with this character, it's just absolutely just a joy to watch on screen. Just such a joy, and I love to see what Rian Johnson does next and what ensemble he gets with with what what kind of situation and circumstance we find Benoit Blanc in. It is highly entertaining. The set, the costume, everything about Glass Onion, really, really just screams like absolutely to top top marks. Um, and the story is pretty insane as well. You know, we've got so much misdirection, which has been picked upon. I can't remember what it was on Twitter's kind of gone viral with just slating the film purely on the misdirection, but that's the idea of the film. So <laughs> come on now. But like, you know, it's such a great, I, w- I don't want to say slow burner because there's a lot of intrigue and interest in the film as it goes on. But once the mystery starts and unfolds, you're in for an absolute just thrill ride. Like I, I absolutely just really did enjoy seeing Daniel Craig back alongside such another great cast from the likes of Kate Hudson, Edward Norton, Dave Batista, Catherine Hahn, uh, Janelle Monet as well was really, really strong. Another standout like lead female character that they had a bit like what obviously in the first in the first Knives Out with Anna de Armas. You know they've carried that on. Looking forward to see what they do again with with the next instalment. Netflix have already got another one lined up. Uh, Signed, they got the rights for uh, number two and number three. So looking forward really just to see what happens with Benoit Blanc. And I really can't stress just how much I bloody love Daniel Craig. <laughs> As that character, it's just such a good one when, with Glass Onion and Knives Out because people that, like myself, for all my sins as I stated before, never really took upon to read much Agatha Christie. My wife, only enough, got a full batch of Agatha Christie novels uh, for Christmas as well that she's wanting to reread and such. And I just never did that when I was younger. So, like, I, I appreciate the murder mystery. I love a good murder mystery, you know what I mean? But I was never really fussed about reading Agatha Christie or whatever. And like me, these more recent and more modern murder mysteries ones then... Um, oh, some more entertaining and make you want to go back and check out the films that have inspired it, you know what I mean? So it's really good to say it's, it's like reaching out to a whole new audience as well by jumping onto Netflix. I would prefer it just to have been a cinematic run, but fair play if it goes on Netflix. Again, you're going to get more people checking it out and hopefully more people enjoying um, Benoit Blanc because I want as many films. I don't want just another one. I want like another four or five or something ridiculous like that. Just give me constant whodunits with that character and I'll be very, very happy. So number six there, Glass Onion. In at number five, a film that is like 
a lot of people have loved. It's just hit Disney Plus as well, so I'm hoping to, again, chat to more people that have checked it out and see what their thoughts on it. But I, I, I was um, giving a heads up to make sure I did check it out by a good friend of mine who said it was absolutely just just wonderful. And it certainly is, because at number five, I'm going for the Banshees of Inner Sharing. This film just simply about a friendship that's just broken down and trying to work out why it's ended abruptly. Especially for Colin Farrell's character there, obviously, which I think is uh, his character, Patrick, who is one of the more likeable characters that I've seen in cinema recently. This innocence to him, there's, there is a simpleness to his character as well, but like the simplicity comes from the lifestyle that he has, or the, you know, the lifestyle these people have on this island. You know, very secluded off, you know, off just offshore of the mainland islands or, or wherever it is. Forgive me for misspeaking there, but basically, yeah, it's like an island just on on their own. And their day-to-day life revolves maybe necessarily just might be nipping to the pub or anything like that. Just this very simple way of living. And to have a friendship with someone just suddenly drop, obviously, between Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson. Brendan Gleeson's calm, deciding no longer wants to speak to him to the point where he's even causing bodily mutilation just to stress how much he doesn't want to be friends with someone. It is a very compelling watch. Like It's such a simple story, but such a, a wonderful viewing. You've got some fantastic supporting roles as well for Kerry Condon, who is marvellous as Siobhan, like really excellent as Podrick's sister. Like I loved the the relationship between the two of them in this film. It was such a believable uh, believable relationship as brother and sister. And then on top of that, you've got Barry Keon as well, with what easily the best performance I've seen him in. And I've not seen too much of his work. I've said, obviously, I've spotted him in Eternals and such. But for me, this was absolutely... 10 out of 10 support cast role, basically, if I can get my words out, <laughs> as, as Dominic, you know, again, a very simple, you know, character that doesn't really know right from wrong uh, in, in some way anyways, but the relationship, again, that he has with these characters, he just adds another little extra laugh every now and then, or just like a, an extra character that you want, that you love and care for throughout this film. Every character you want, you want to have some, you, you care for them, basically. You want to see them either succeed or at least make up in this instance, because, it is a, such a lovely, like I say, an and simple watch story, but one of the best performed and, and better, one of the better written ones of the year, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, you know, written and directed again by Martin McDonough, who has worked with obviously Farrell and Gleason on a number of occasions. But I love this film. I thought it was excellent and easily the top five. I wish I could have put it higher, and the, the ones that are above it, um, they were all pretty close. You know, I mean, the top five, I, I love them all equally. But as I say, this very good film, Banshees of Inner Sharing. I do highly recommend you check it out. It is a fantastic and wonderful watch, and some fantastic scenery and and wide wide shots. You know the sweeping shots as well. Sorry, like absolutely looks wonderful as well. What they got of this particular island within the island of Ireland, um, tongue tie there. But yeah, really good film. Sorry, number five, The Banshees of Inner Sharing. Number four, it's going to be Maverick. It's going to have to be in it. Top Gun. If I, this this again was started at one point, it was going to be number one because this was absolutely stunning. Like. To do a sequel this good to a film that's like over 30 years old, it's it's almost like unheard of. I guess like Star Wars The Force Awakens had a good... I mean, I don't know if... I don't know if there was a bigger gap between that, Return of the Jedi and, and Force... But you know what I mean? Like, we've seen terrible, terrible sequels, such as like Independence Day Resurgence and stuff like that, where you're like, just don't do the sequel 20-odd years later. It just doesn't work. So I think a lot of us were probably... I don't know. I, I, I'm curious if there were many sceptical people out there how good Top Gun Maverick was going to be. We all probably thought it was going to be good because you've got, you know, Joseph Kosinski attached to it. And I think as well that Chris, is it Chris McQuarrie who did the last couple of, of uh, Mission Impossible films? Apologies. I'm sure his surname is McQuarrie anyways, but I'm sure he was attached to it as well. Of course, Tom Cruise as well is as a producer. So I guess maybe we shouldn't have, if you were sceptical or doubtful, how good it was actually going to be being as sceptical and doubtful because this film is 
epic on so many levels. Like the performance that's in there from Tom Cruise, again, wonderful supporting role. I think that the thing as well is that it is like a father-son relationship, or at least surrogate father-son relationship between these two, between obviously the two characters of of Tom Cruise and, and Miles Teller, Bradley Rooster, Bradshaw, obviously the son of Goose from the first one. Like there's that level of responsibility and care for Tom Cruise to make sure that the son of the partner and the friend that he lost doesn't end up having the same fate. You know what I mean? There's a protection element there as well, but there's also Miles Teller's performance who wants to succeed. So it's almost like, does he see Cruz as that father figure or even responsible for the death of his father? And even so, can he be the one that's going to be stopping him from progressing a hindering that is as well? Or is he going to allow him to, to flourish within, you know, within the aviator world kind of thing? I, I think that that as well is such a compelling story to see, but on top of the, wonderful story and and again the relationship that he has with Jennifer Connelly as well like I, I spoke highly about how they handled the Jennifer Connelly um, character and the love interest that is for, for Penny and, and Maverick thought it was really well really well thought out but on top of all of this great story so you've got a fantastic and wonderful like visuals in terms of how they shot the film in the aviators and the jets sorry just like I said, the 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 way they put the cameras on the bottom of the of, of the craft so that you feel like you are literally behind or, or, or obviously underneath but you can see the way they've shot you so you can see people in view you're in the cockpit this and that the stunts of as well that tom cruise does because he likes to nearly kill himself like it's just a really really excellent film and like i said before as well on my podcast how the emotional level in this i've already spoke about that relationship between miles teller and tom cruise in this, but there's so much emotion within this film like it's so heightened i was not expecting that obviously as well you know val kilmer makes an appearance obviously as the iceman that scene between iceman and maverick my God, cinema, cinema peak, you know what I mean? Like, it's so peak cinema, I should say. But really, really, just the emotional level was something I was not expecting with Top Gun Maverick at all in the slightest. I thought it was just going to be high testosterone. Like, you can say it probably is that, but, like, it is just well thought out. Like, a really fantastic, really, really excellent sequel that obviously people have been crying out for for so many years, and I can't think that anyone came out of that being like, well, yeah, I was a little bit disappointed with that. Um, it was so, so good. So good, Top Gun Maverick. And number four, like I say, it could easily be higher. But, um, yeah, it, it has to be in the top five without a shadow of a doubt. Shadow of a doubt there, Top Gun Maverick. And number three, here comes my only superhero film of the list. And that's because it was something new, something refreshing, something darker. The Batman at number three. Like, it is such a good detective story revolving around Batman trying to find and, and stop the Riddler. You know, Batman, how he is just like year two of, of being the Batman. There's so much, like I said, Gotham itself being a character oh it was so wonderful like really really excellent like i say and, and, and it's one of those again it's a two hour 40 film and granted the third act i would say lets it down just a little bit like it's not a terrible drop or anything but i feel like i said that mystery and everything around it i was so so invested in finding out what was happening and why these you know political figures or whatever were being taken down by the riddler i love like to say what they did with the riddler like kind of making him a mix of like, like i say zodiac and even the jigsaw killer with some of the traps that he does end up putting his his victims in and such and just the clues and you know uh, the, the team up that obviously batman wrote pattinson and, and jeffrey wright's lieutenant james gordon have to do just staggering like such a fantastic script so matt reeves really really delivered with this because DC's been so up in air, like, and just absolutely coming and going, you know what I mean? To and fro, and they've now got James Gunn obviously involved as well, which is just shaking up everything. But, like, to have this stand out as, as such a, a fantastic, fantastic film, 
Uh, I love watching this film. Any any opportunity to watch it? So I, when I went on my honeymoon, this is one of the films I had on the flight. Very much again enjoyed that. But you know, you got Zoe Kravitz in there as well as Selena Kyle. Colin Farrell is obviously as the Penguin, um, and then Paul Dano, famous as as now the Riddler. It's it just was such a recipe for success. Like I said, that from the marketing for this. You know, that car chase sequence as well. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Like, absolutely enthralling. Again, similar to how, like, Top Gun Maverick, you know, put the cameras onto the jets and such as they were flying about, so you felt like you were in the jets or whatever. Like, having some of the sequences where Matt Reeves had put the camera at the back end facing up, uh, facing forwards of the Batmobile as those chase sequences happening as he's screeching and, and coming to a stop, felt like you were part of that chase. And it's easily one of my favourite, if not favourite moments of, of the cinema this year, in fact, uh, the Batman, that car chase sequence. The score as well from Michael Caccino. All in all, just a very, very good, um, I, I'll say, reboot of the of, of the film characters, should we say, or just a, just a, a lovely, fantastic adaptation, like wonderful. And it, for me, reminded me so much of those, like I said, the 90s animated series and such like that. Um, it was great. It was such a good, bloody film. And number two, going in with Boiling Point. Now, I think this film technically came out in 2021, but it reached UK cinemas, I want to say, in 2022. I saw this in January, and that's how... I guess it shows you how good the film was. It's still at number two of my yearly choice, really, if I saw it that early on in the year. This was something absolutely fantastic from Philip Barantini. The one-take aspect of this just added so much more intensity to the film. I loved the decision to keep it sorry one-take because those films, I find, just so much more rewarding and entertaining. And you can only, there's only a few points in the film where you can probably say, right, they probably stopped filming there and then started it up again. But, you know, you've got Stephen Graham, this this chef of this, like I said, restaurant that have one of the busiest one of the busiest nights leading up to Christmas. It's fully booked. I, th- I even want to say it was Mad Friday. I think it's that anyways. But just the extra extra stress of obviously having, like, reviews you know critics coming in sorry there's also a chap that comes in where Stephen graham's character's got some kind of like debt with him as well which i thought was again just adding up and amping amping that intensity for what reaches a certain boiling point but yeah Stephen graham as andy jones really really great in this really great uh, you've also got vanette robinson in there as carly she's great like sous chef i think that those two together, there's a definite friction between the two. There's obviously, it's kind of just, it's kind of like when you've worked with someone for so long that you're just almost like sick of them. It, it It's pretty much like that. But just the whole and all performances from everyone, like it felt real, like it felt like you were in a restaurant and it was just being filmed. It just felt like this was just a normal everyday restaurant in London, busy time of year, and the cameras were just following around. It wasn't a documentary or anything, obviously, or that kind of feel to it, but I felt it was so, so well acted, so just, oh my word, the script is so intense. Um, and I'm sure that many people as well will have that same response to that film if you've worked in, in, that, in that industry, sorry. Um, it, it's crazy film, crazy film, but really, really good. I said the performances from Stephen Graham, like it was absolutely phenomenal. And I think you can stream it now as well. So uh, make sure you do if you haven't, because that's my number 10. Two, which means there's only one more film left now before we get to number one i want to give out a few honorable mentions because some obviously that i've not spoke about on the podcast on this episode but it's not to be forgotten because like i said before i wanted to have just one superhero film and i think there was only one other film that could have made the top 10 list and that was of course black, black panther wakanda forever this really really staggering um film like i said all behind the scenes and such that went on with it you know the loss of chabit boss when i've already said on a podcast review about it like i can't imagine you know, being Ryan Coogler, having to pick this up and, 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 and get everyone going again, having to rework the story, and then, you know, making it the, the one of the driving forces of the film, the theme, sorry, being grief, I think it was an absolutely staggering film, and, and, and just a really, really excellent, uh, but as I say, I only wanted um, one 
one superhero film in my list. So so that one sadly had to make the cut, but obviously it's a definite one. I guess on some level as well, like I did really enjoy the menu, which again, I, I've, seen it, I've seen it floating about in a few people's top tens as well. The menu was great. I say it was just, I don't know, like I, I, I think there was other films that I enjoyed a lot more than that one, in particular obviously food such as Boiling Point, but the menu I thought was a really good uh, really good one from with it, including Ralph Fiennes, Annie Taylor-Joy and Nicholas Hull, and I'm pretty sure that'll be available to stream soon as well. Uh, Werewolf by Night, I guess from Marvel, that was pretty good as well. Uh, the other one, obviously, being uh, that I caught uh, where the crowd had sing, which was fine, but again, not top 10. See how they run also nearly made the top 10. That's a good one as well. Another murder mystery uh, revolving Agatha Christie as well as the stage production of The Mousetrap starts to, uh, yeah, the performers start to fall victim of a serial killer. So there we go. Go check that out because again, out of the, the, lead, the lead performers there, obviously Rockwell and Ronan, absolutely fantastic and really should be seen because, yeah, a lot of laughs, a lot of laughs in that film indeed. Just quickly going over Elvis again, great one as well. Great leads, uh, really great stuff actually. My my wife was like, I can't believe you've not put Elvis in your list, but sadly it's not. I think we'll leave it there for honorable mentions. But yeah, those be, that those were the other ones that could have maybe pipped their way in. And I've not, I've just done my review of Avatar, and if you listen to that, you'll know that I did find it like easily. That is one of the best visuals that you'll see all year. But for me, it's not not my top 10 areas. I'm not a big Avatar fan. It was it was a good enough film. It looked wonderful, absolutely fantastic spectacle. But I wasn't too fussed about the story. So anyways, then, so we're coming in at number one. It's going to be Jordan Peele's Nope. Like, I really love this film. And a few people might be surprised to see this at our number one spot. But I've watched it again recently. And I've, I just really did enjoy this. I say I love the inspiration behind it. I, say, I love the themes, obviously. You've got the, 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 the overall theme is spectacle of people trying to capture an image of sorts and, and and there is so many spectacles within the film obviously the idea of this ufo or is it a ufo that's obviously the ranch that they live on obviously the ranch that the father had as well just so much mystery and intrigue to it and, and again like the the theme about you know surviving something traumatic and then trying to you know make money off that you know stephen young's character being that particular one who thinks he's kind of like i don't know like he was saved for a purpose and therefore he can tame whatever it is that, that this this ufo these aliens seeing them as like almost like friends because he's untouchable due to a past experience that he had involving obviously the monkey incident and such that, that we see uh the chimpanzee incident sorry that we see in the uh, in the film sorry but yeah daniel daniel kaluuya and uh, kiki palmer loved them both in this film i love daniel kaluuya's uh like just calmness throughout like this this reservedness of character in comparison to his sister who's very bubbly very outgoing the two of them was such great chemistry on top of the fact that it's like a really great sci-fi from john peel like i absolutely dig all sci-fi and the inspiration obviously that you see behind that I, I spoke about jaws being one like i love the fact that this ufo it, you they use like the sky as the sea essentially like the way it moves and maneuvers through clouds and such it was just really, really ace. But say the inspiration's also obviously there of Close Encounters, which is again heavily on spectacle. Uh, so many others. I say even signs as well. And and I, I noticed this more so the second time around or whatever time time around I watched this, but the score as well reminded me so much of signs by just by adding a little bit of flute here and a little bit of flute there. It just kind of gave that wondrous feel to it. Or this, like I said, this this alien sound. You know what I mean? I, I really did really, really like this film. I thought it was absolutely flawless. It was and it is still is, I say, my favourite of the year, easily. Um, absolutely gripped from from start to finish. The the detail in there, and Stephen Young's giving his performance before the before the actual first real UFO encounter comes down. We're saying in one hour you'll leave 
you know, seeing something you'll be able, or not be able to believe or the spectacle or whatever. That is literally an hour before the film actually ends. And that last hour of the film, it's about, I say, it's a two-hour film. The first hour, again, we're just discovering it all. We're learning. Like I said, slow build, if you want to say the air quote and all that. But then that last hour when it kicks in, I think it's just such a good such a good ride. What Peel did, you know, with, with the IMAX cameras as well, only makes this film so much grander in scale, you know, by having so many great wide shots and seeing so much of, you know, the sky itself and what the UFO, what it is that it can do. Um, it, it was just wonderful. I, I I think it's almost like those Jaws themes in there, that, that kind of Jaws inspiration that I really, really enjoyed about it. But I, I did so much enjoy what Jordan Peele did. And I think he's, again, an absolute master craftsman when it comes to making films. Like, I like Get Out. I really enjoyed Us, but I loved Nope. Like, for, for many people, again, it might surprise, but Nope is my favourite Jordan Peele film. Like, I think it's absolutely it's just stunning. Um, visually, I can say, it's, it, he really wanted people to go out to, to the cinemas and check it out for that spectacle aspect of it. You know, and, and it just doesn't, it just it just doesn't disappoint. It, it delivers on all fronts for me. Like, I think it's so, so good. Great story, great visuals. Um Great score, so yeah. I, I'm going with Nope anyways as my top film of 2022. As I stated, though, I would love to know what yours are. Please do get in touch and let me know. I hope you, again, agree, disagree with my list. I'd love to know what your thoughts are on this particular list, but of course, I really want to know as well what you think of, of the year and, and what your favourite films are, because there's been so many great ones, man. So, so many great ones. Which leads me, obviously, to say one last time, thank you so much, as always, for listening in particular this year as well, I say I started the podcast last year. It's just a great little passion project that I have. I really enjoy talking about films. And I appreciate anyone that sits there and listens to it, if I'm being honest, because I will talk at you. It is going to happen. But as always, I just appreciate you listening. If you've clicked on it once or twice, however many times, if you've shared it, if you've passed it on, if you've messaged me to let me know what your thoughts are on a particular film or what my thoughts were on said film, again, all the same, I really do appreciate it. It means the absolute world. So without gushing, without like almost sobbing down the microphone and saying thank you so much to say, is always appreciated looking forward to an exciting 2023 looking forward to getting more guests on as well any requests that you want to hear on the podcast as well do let me know but as always thank you so much for listening i've said that about four or five times now i'm going to sign off for 2022 i'll see you in 2023 take care